You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. With me to Mark chapter 1. Yes. Somebody said yes to opening their Bible. Thank you, Olaf. Before Jesus begins his ministry, before he's done anything else, we see John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, and it, the Bible says that he was preparing the way for Jesus to come. And Jesus goes down, and he's actually baptized by John, which is an amazingly powerful picture. Even Jesus, God who became man, who came to earth, said, I'm going to be baptized by someone else to walk in obedience with the Lord. That's not what I'm preaching on this morning. But if you haven't been baptized in water or in the spirit, today's your day. Um, but Jesus goes down to be baptized. And when he's baptized by John, it says he comes up out of the water and the heavens are open and the, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. And the father declares this over him. They heard an audible voice that said, behold, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Before Jesus did anything, before he did any ministry, before he began to do signs and wonders, before he did kingdom-extending things, the Father affirms his identity, his sonship, and his position. Your identity... Your sonship or your, your, your place or daughtership and your position in God are not dependent upon what you do. You have to hear this this morning because I'm going to talk about being a kingdom extending people. But if you hear this through the lens of my kingdom mission somehow strengthens my kingdom position or my identity, you're going to get out of balance, and it's going to end up causing problems for you. Before Jesus did anything, the Father affirms his identity, his sonship, and his position. Then in Matthew 4, verse 1, this amazing encounter happens, and it says in Matthew 4, verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. So often, after some of the most amazing encounters in our life, we face the opposition of the enemy. And the enemy questions Jesus in the very areas that the Father had just affirmed him in. In his identity, in his sonship, and in his position. I don't have time. This could be a whole preach. I don't have time to get into it. I just wanted to lay a foundation for us this morning. The enemy will always attack you in the areas of your identity, sonship, and position. And, and, and so often it's right after an amazing encounter. He's baptized. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. The voice of the Father and all, it, that everyone can hear declares over him. And then he's led by the Spirit. Sometimes we like to, to, uh, to, to um, blame the, the attack of the enemy we like to rebuke and say go and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes we're actually led by the Spirit into a place where God wants to strengthen and affirm again our identity, our sonship, and our position. And in Luke 4 verse 14 it says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. There's something linked between overcoming and standing in that place of identity, sonship, and position 
and beginning to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the very first thing that Jesus says before he calls his disciples is this. In Mark 1, verse 14 and 15. His first declaration after this amazing encounter and 40 days in the wilderness and returning in the power of the Spirit. He says, now after John was arrested, it says this in Mark 1, verse 14. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. I love Gabby's illustration about this. She says, hold up your hand. Would you hold up your hand this morning? That's how close it is. It's right here. It's right in front of you. The kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's here. It's not way out over there. It's right here in front. In Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. In Matthew 10, verse 7 to 8, Jesus sends out the disciples saying, and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Jesus came to preach and to demonstrate the rule and reign and authority of God. He came to preach and to demonstrate the kingdom of God. He sends out his disciples with the Matthew 10 commission to do the same thing. When he's teaching his disciples in Matthew 6 verse 10 how to pray, what does he say? He says, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. As followers of Jesus, we're called to be a kingdom advancing people. Now remember the start. Before you do anything, God affirms your identity, your sonship, and your position. Being a kingdom advancing people does not increase our standing in the kingdom, but it's the mission that we're called to as those who are have a new identity in Christ, who are sons and daughters of the King of kings and Lord of lords, and who have a position in him sealed by the Holy Spirit, our calling is to advance the kingdom of God. This is not a church structure idea. It's the spiritual reality that you and I are called to see the rule and reign of Jesus come into and change the lives of the people around us. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign, the authority of God. Our calling is to see his authority, his rule, his reign, his lordship, not just in our lives, but through us into the lives of those around us. What does that look like? That looks like healing the sick. It looks like demons fleeing. It looks like dead being raised, lepers being cleansed. It looks like people submitting to his lordship, making him the lord of their lives. When Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 19, it's called the Great Commission. He says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When he gives the Matthew 28 commission, which we talk a lot about as, as a church because we love it and we're called to it. But when he gives the Matthew 28 commission, it doesn't usurp and it can't be disconnected from the Matthew 10 commission. Because we're called to be a kingdom advancing people. 
When Jesus gives the Matthew 28 commission to the disciples, he gives the Matthew 28 commission to disciples who had already seen, seen it demonstrated, and walked in the Matthew 10 commission. We're called to be a kingdom advancing people, people who are full of the Spirit, people who are healing the sick, who are raising the dead, who are cleansing lepers, who are casting out demons, who are operating as kingdom ambassadors in the authority of Jesus, making disciples of Jesus, baptizing them in water and in the Spirit, and teaching them to become like Jesus. That is your purpose in life. Don't believe what anyone else tells you. All the other stuff is to serve that purpose. Your job is so that you can survive and make enough money to survive to serve this purpose. Your gifts are given to you to serve this purpose. Everything else is encompassed and finds its place around this purpose in life. And if we get it out of whack and we try to go after any other purpose, we're always going to come to a dead end and wonder why things aren't working. And some of you this morning are going, why am I in the same place again? And it's because you've never actually understood your purpose and calling as a disciple of Jesus. This is what God's called us to. And as we start a new year, the vision and the call doesn't change. I don't mind the idea of Vision Sunday, and I love that, like, this is what God's called us to. But the vision is the same every year. If we have a new vision every Vision Sunday, you know, every year, then we've missed something of the, of the call of God over our lives. Yes, there might be specifics, and he might be highlighting things, and that's all good. But the vision remains the same. And we've seen some of this in our church family. So we love testimonies. Yeah, I love Sharon's testimony. The, 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 the little bit at the end that she didn't get to was that the doctors actually said, you guys might have heard her say this, the doctor said, it could be six months, it might be never, it's only been a couple of months, and the doctors themselves have said, it's miraculous. This is like, this is outside of the realms of possibility. Like, if you talk to her afterwards, there's no, there's no lingering effects. She's been miraculously healed. So we thank Jesus for that. But the vision doesn't change. Will you be a kingdom advancing, Jesus-following, spirit-empowered discipler this year? Not just, see, we up the ante. Not just will you go to a discipleship group. Will you be a kingdom advancing, Jesus-following, spirit-empowered discipler this year? See, we've seen some of this in our church family. We've seen the sick healed. We've seen radical, or we like to say biblically normal, healings. They are radical in the realm of the, uh, of the natural, but in the realm of the spirit and the Bible, they're just normal. It's what we should be seeing. Cancer, people being set free and healed of cancer, tumors disappearing. Like medically verifiable x-rays there's, you know, of tumors that were there, and then even at, there was one guy without even people laying hands on him. Just in worship, he was like, something's different with my shoulder. He had a tennis ball-sized tumor. He went back to the, the, the doctor afterwards. They took an x-ray, and they said, it's not there. Maybe we got it wrong the first time. He goes, no, no, we have both of them. People being healed of, uh, of mental health and torment, um, depression being broken, broken bones being healed. We've seen demons cast out of more people over the last 
12 to 18 months than probably in the whole time I've been leading the team before this, in 15 years before that. God is increasing something. Freedom coming to the captives. We've seen discipleship. People becoming more like Jesus. Holiness. Purity. You know what we haven't seen in our church community, in this local community, is the dead raised yet. But I want to tell you, I have a friend who leads a church in India. He was sharing testimonies. Oh, you're right. And as he says, he says, he was not a little bit dead. He was three days dead. Took him three days to get from where the guy was in the village to bring him to him. And I, to be honest, I don't even know if he realized he was dead when he prayed for him. They just brought him in. And then they showed him the death certificate afterwards. Three-day-old death certificate. The guy just sat up. He woke up, and he got up, and he was alive. And I, I, this isn't something I've heard of. I know this guy. Like, this isn't like a, you know, just a, a video on YouTube. Of, I mean, you can find them. But literally, I know this guy. I stood next to him. And I was like, excuse me, say it again? He had quite a thick accent. He's like, he was not a little bit dead. I won't do his accent. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Sorry. I believe this is a year of kingdom advancing like never before. It seems like God's speeding things up. There's a rising tide. There's an increase of his presence. This is what we're called to. Not just leaders, not just pastors, not just those who have 500,000 followers on Instagram. You and I, every one of us, is called to this. When Jesus called the disciples, this is what they stepped into. They stepped into a kingdom mission. Much of the Western church has called people to step into a better life. We've watered down the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, to the gospel of living your best life. Much of the church has taken kingdom advancement and replaced it with personal growth, comfort, and prosperity. And we wonder why people go from church to church to church and they're never satisfied and it never seems like there's enough. It's because we've replaced the kingdom with self. And actually, we forget that to have a kingdom, we have to have a king. And for Jesus to be king of my life means that I have to get off the throne of my life. I can't be the Lord of my own life and have him as the Lord. There's only one Lord. There's only one king. And for him to be the king and for his kingdom to come, I need to get off of the throne of my life and put him on the throne of my life. And everything else revolves around him. The gospel of personal growth, comfort, and prosperity is not what we see in Scripture. In, in Scripture, we see a people who left their lives, who left their comfort, who laid down their preferences and followed Jesus in his kingdom mission. In Matthew 19, there's an account that I find fascinating. If you, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 19? I'm going to read from verse 16 to verse 22. I find this account fascinating because it's an interaction between Jesus and a guy, like what seems like a really a good guy. It says this in verse 16. 
And behold, a man came to him, to Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? That's a good question. And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? Isn't that our response to Jesus all the time? Jesus is like, like you should do this. And you're like, like keep the commandments. You're like, well, which ones? He's like, all of, all of them. <laughs> Jesus said to him, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man says to him, all these I have kept. Well done. I don't know what happened to my voice right there, but he kept them. <laughs> like, just... Me and Hugo. (laughs) All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus says to him, if you would be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And then Jesus says something amazing. It's the same phrase he uses when he calls the other disciples. He says, come follow me. And verse 22 is one of the, I think, saddest Verses in the Bible, it says, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I find this passage fascinating because Jesus calls the man to come follow him. He seems like a good guy. Like, he seems like he had good intentions. He's like going, what, what do I need to do? And he's, he's come to Jesus and he's asking the questions. He's lived a good life. He's kept the commandments. He's not like a, a bad person, but he loved his possessions and his comfort. And when Jesus calls him, he uses the exact same phrase when he calls the other other disciples, come follow me. He goes away sorrowful because he wasn't willing to give up those things. He wanted eternal life, but not Jesus and his mission. It was, I want salvation on my terms. I'm not saying yes to a kingdom advancing mission. When Jesus calls the other disciples, bless you, um, it says that at once or immediately they left their nets to follow him. I'll show you this. In Matthew 4, verse 18 to 22, it says, And Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting the nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Exactly the same phrase he says to the man in Matthew 19. Um, and verse 19, he says, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out. To fish for people. Come follow me. Here's the mission. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in their boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing the nets. And Jesus called to them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. I want to ask you this morning, what is your response to Jesus' call? Is it like the man in Matthew 19, which the scripture refers to as the rich young ruler? Or is it like the disciples? This is not earning identity, it's not earning sonship, and it's not earning position. It's stepping into and saying yes to the kingdom mission, the call of Jesus to be a kingdom advancing people. God is calling us to be a kingdom advancing people, full of the Spirit, Healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, casting out demons, operating as kingdom ambassadors in the authority of Jesus. 
to be those who make disciples of Jesus, to baptize them in water and in the power of the Spirit and teaching them to become like Jesus. I'm going to put that in the newsletter. You guys can like, you can print it out, stick it on the back of your toilet door, put it on your mirror, put it in your car. I believe this year is a year of increase. Greater release. Greater reverence and awe of his presence. A greater release of the manifestations of the kingdom in and through us. God doesn't want you to be part of a church that sees the sick healed, people set free, salvations and discipleship. He wants you to see the sick healed, people set free, to lead people to salvation and to make disciples. It's not mission by association. It's not discipleship by association. It's not evangelism by association. It's not good enough to be a part of a church who goes out to reach the lost. God wants you to step out of your comfort zone this year to reach the lost. God wants you to step out of your comfort zone this year to pray for the sick and see them healed. To see demons cast out and people set free by the power of his spirit. Do you believe that? Some of you are not, still not 100% sure. But that's what he's called you to. It's not just by association. But the beautiful thing is, if you've never done it before and you've never seen it before, you're in a room of people who can help you and journey with you and show you and pray with you and disciple you into who we're called to be as disciples of Jesus. I believe he's calling us to see new discipleship groups started and new areas and new, new regions reached and new churches planted. He call, he's calling us to be a people who minister refreshing and freedom, not just to those who come to this church, but to other churches. Do you believe that? Not just Paul or Gabby or Elodie and I, each of us. That actually, when you come across other believers even, that you have something to minister to them. Yes, we go to reach the lost, but there's believers in your workplace and in your life that actually need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. And you carry something, if you'll dig those wells and you'll allow them to use you, you carry something that will ignite a fire in another place. Not so that they can then come and join us, but that so that they can burn for Jesus where God's added them, and that church can be on fire. And they can do the same thing, and that church can be on fire. What he's doing, I'm going to keep saying this, I'm going to keep reminding you of it, is not so that Melbourne Lights Church has a name or a bigger profile, but so that the kingdom of God would advance. Anything he does in and through us is not so that we can big note ourselves. It's all about him and his glory so that the kingdom would be advanced. Please, you know, even if you're inviting people to come and join us, let it be for his glory so that the kingdom is advanced. If we reach people on the street and they know somebody in a different church, send them there. Like, Jesus builds his church and he will add who he wants to add. We're not fishing in other people's ponds. It's not to make our name great. 
It's to make his name great and to advance the kingdom. And if he wants to bring more people, amazing. If he wants us to stay this size, amazing. If he wants half of you to go and that's all he wants, that's fine. We see that in the Bible. Who's the guy with the, with the trumpets and the, hmm? Gideon. I, wanted to, I was like, I had a full mental blank. And Gideon's like, look, at, I got this great army. And he's like, no, send, all the, send them away. And then send them away. And he's like, yeah, he ends up with 300 from thousands. 3,000 to 300. I mean, I don't really want God to do that to us. I'm not prophesying it. But if he wants to do it, he can do what he wants because he's God. We always think it's only like, it's only growth. It's only more. It's always better. And it is growth more and better in God, but sometimes that means less. Sometimes it means laying things down. So what's stopping you from advancing the kingdom this year? On November 11th last year, I preached about what are our ceilings. But I think a better way to express that might be what's stopping you from advancing the kingdom. In my five minutes that I have left, I want to throw four points at you. That's one minute and 25 seconds per point, and I doubt that's going to happen, but we're going to just go for it. Elliot is like, stop wasting time. Just get into it. All right. What's stopping you from advancing the kingdom? Number one, intimacy with the Lord. Are you investing in intimacy with him before anything else, before you do anything? It's just about being with him, to be aware of his presence. This doesn't magically happen. You have to set aside time. I don't know how clear, like, I can't say it more clearly than that. If you don't make time, it won't happen. God will keep pursuing you. God's always there. But if you don't become aware of his presence... And set aside time to be with him and minister to him and read his word and be intimate with him. Nothing else happens. Everything flows from that place of intimacy. Authority flows from the place of intimacy. You go, well, how do I see demons cast out? Intimacy with Jesus. It's not three steps to deliverance. It's intimacy with Jesus. How do I see the sick healed? Intimacy with Jesus. We can give you some wisdom, things that, that are unhelpful. But actually, all those things don't matter if you won't spend time with him. You can come to church every week for the next 30 years and nothing will change in your life if you don't spend time with him personally. You can go to discipleship group. You can do all the things. And I'm just going to set you free this morning that all of that is useless if you won't spend time with him individually. Do you truly want to know him and be known by him? What does that look like in your life? When, where, how? You answer those questions. When are you going to do it? Where are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? If you need help, that's why we have discipleship groups. That's why we are committed to discipleship. But if you don't do it, you won't grow. And in one year, five years, ten years, twenty years time, you'll be in exactly the same position. And you'll be going, why has everyone else gone, you know, Powering ahead and I'm still here. Secondly, what's stopping you? Personal comfort. Are we like the man in Matthew 19 who went away sorrowful for he had great possessions? Are there some personal comfort things, some lifestyle things that you need to let go of or shift or change for the sake of the kingdom? 
I'm too busy at work. I'm too busy with my sport. All the things my kids are involved in. Holidays, family gatherings, whatever it is. All the things. I'm not telling you to, to, to get rid of this or that. I'm asking you, what has God called you to? And what do you need to adjust to step into all that God's called you to? For one, it might be this thing. For another, it might be that thing. They can all be good things unless they stop you from advancing the kingdom. Then they become idols. I believe God's calling us out of our comfort zones this year. Some of us need to go help break open new ground. Hear this. Some of you need to go help break open new ground. Some of you need to, to maybe go help discipleship groups get established. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe it's in another house or another area. Some of you need to open your homes for groups to meet in. There's a cost to that. Some need to get on the streets to reach the lost. There's a cost to that. There's time. Some need to go to the nations. There's a cost to that. Some need to press into the spirit in a way that you've never before. Maybe you need to give up some sleep. You're like, I rebuke you. No. <laughs> There's a cost to time with Jesus. There's a cost to it. Give up some me time. We don't like talking about sacrifice, but what God's called us to, what God's called you to, requires personal sacrifice. It requires constantly killing yourself, not literally, killing the self, the, the, the spirit of self, so that Jesus would be on the throne of our lives. Some of you have come to church, you've been church attenders for many years, but you've never actually put Jesus on the throne of your life. That's why Jesus says that some of you in the last days will stand before the Father and he'll say, away from me, I never knew you. And he'll say, but I came to church every week and I went to discipleship group and I prayed for the sick and I cast out demons in your name. And he goes, I didn't know you. We put our things on the altar and we sacrifice them for the greater thing. Thirdly, what's stopping you? Your schedule. These are profound, just so you know. Intimacy with the Lord, personal comfort, your schedule. Is your schedule stopping you from advancing the kingdom? Someone said this, show me your bank account and I'll show you your priorities. Jesus says it, says it in Luke 12, verse 34. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The same can be true or same can be said of our schedules. Show me your schedule and I'll show you your priority. I'll show you what you value. Do we put the things of the kingdom first or do they have to fit in at the end? Do I make time to spend with Jesus, to pray, to gather with believers, to be discipled, to make disciples, to outreach? Or do I hope that those things might fit in if there's room at the end? Or am I intentional about it? I told Hugo I was going to use this example. But he would love to play at a higher level of, of football, of soccer, um, which is called the, the MPL, the National Premier League. And he's been asked by, by more than one team to come play. But they play on Sunday mornings. And at this age group, they play either anytime between 9.30 and 11 on a Sunday morning. And for us, that's not an option because the kingdom comes first. And it's not my revelation. For him, he said, that's not an option because we put the kingdom first. Amen. 
Do I not go to a discipleship group because my kids have to be in bed? Ooh. Or do I train my kids for the kingdom to sleep wherever they, you know, wherever they are, or to learn to be in a different environment? I know not all kids go to sleep. This isn't easy. This is like rubber hits the road stuff. I know we have kids. But our, our kids' schedules, I can't speak for you, but our kids' schedules work around our kingdom calling. We don't sacrifice our kingdom calling on the altar of our kids. And for, for some of you, you have a bigger kingdom calling, but you're sacrificing it on the altar of your kids rather than raising your kids to be a kingdom people. My last one is this, finances, and I'm not going to preach on tithes and offerings. I'm just going to say this. Are our finances a hindrance to what God's called us to? Does your budget reflect kingdom priorities? Do you have a budget at all? Are, are you intentional? I mean, that might just even be the starting point. But maybe you need to get out of debt so that you can sow to the kingdom. Maybe you need to downsize your house or your lifestyle so that you're released to kingdom things. If we're always so close to the line that we have no, because this is the reality of life, isn't it? Okay? We all like to amen kingdom stuff, but the reality of life is that we have to go to work to make some money to pay the bills. And for some, because I understand, for some, literally, you're, you're, just, you're believing and battling for breakthrough. You, just, you, need a, you don't have a job. You need a job. You need the contracts to come through. And we stand with you and we battle with you. But if we're just living a lifestyle that is so big or just is so close to the line that there's no buffer and there's no room for the kingdom things in our finances, then we're never going to be able to step into what God has for us. The answer is not easy. The answer is hard. It's downsizing. It's changing. It might be selling your house and moving to a smaller house. It might be going to speak to somebody about your budget and your finances to get into a place where you can sow to the kingdom. If you can't afford to bring tithes and to give offerings, then you need to change something in your lifestyle so that you can do that. Because it's kingdom. You guys went really quiet. It is kingdom. And as Mark said when we did our financial review, you might look around this room and, and, and look at people and go, oh, you know, they're successful, they're doing really well. I guarantee every person in that situation is giving sacrificially. They're bringing tithes, they're giving offerings, they're putting the kingdom first, and there's a kingdom pattern. You can't claim the increase if you're not sowing, and tithes, and, tithes are not sowing. Tithes giving back to God what is his. It's when we bring offerings and we're generous and we, that's sowing. For some of you, God's calling you to the nations. Are you saving so that you're ready? There's a cost to hosting, to opening up your home, to having people in, buying snacks. There's, just a, there's a cost. There's a time cost. There's a financial cost. Do you save? Do you put money aside for that? There's a cost to discipleship, to driving to somebody's house, to buying them a coffee, to going out on the street on a Sunday afternoon. There's a cost to stopping for the one. For someone who's homeless, for someone who doesn't have anything to eat, and buying them, a buying them some food, or buying them a sleeping bag, or sitting, there's a cost to it. Everything has a cost, either in our time, or our emotions, or our finances. But what's God called you to? 
There could be a thousand other things that stop you from advancing the kingdom. But Jesus says the kingdom is at hand. It's here. It's our call. It's increasing. What has God called you to? And what's stopping you from advancing that kingdom call? What do you need to change or adjust or get rid of or add to your life for the sake of the kingdom? Would you stand with me this morning? I believe this morning as we respond, some of us need to lay some things at the altar. And as Gabby said so well this morning, that actually as we lay some things before him, that it ushers, he's going to be ushered and he comes in on what we lay down. He comes in on what we lay down. You want more of him in your life. Would you ask him this morning, what do I need to lay before him? Maybe what do I need to pick up? What do I need to change? What do I need to adjust? Lord, we thank you for your presence. And we thank you for your call. Your kingdom mission call. And I pray this morning that we would be honest and we'd be intentional with you. Lord, I pray, would you illuminate by your spirit, Lord, those things that we, maybe we need to lay down before you to usher in, Lord, a greater manifestation of, of, of your calling and your presence in our life. Would you respond to him this morning as he shows you those things, as he illuminates that by his spirit? Some of you might need to physically come to the front and lay it down before him. Lord, we thank you. We want to be a people this year who don't just set up our comfort zones, but who say yes to your kingdom advancement, who step out, Lord, who say yes to your, your, your kingdom mission to heal the sick, raise the dead, Cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, lead people to you, be full of your spirit. Lord, see disciples made. Lord, we want to be those people. Lord, not just pastors or leaders. Lord, a kingdom of priests. Every one of us. Will you just take one minute and respond to him? Would you do business with him? You can walk out of this room and nothing changes. Or you can walk out of this room and be completely transformed. It's up to your response. I do feel like some need to come and kneel before the Lord and do some business with Him. As we finish in the sense or if you need to go you can go but like we said before there's permission to linger and there's permission to do business with him and actually not just permission but some of you need to do it if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life maybe you've been in church for 20 years maybe this is your first time 
but actually you know you're still the center of your life. You're still on the throne and you need to put him on the throne. Would you come to the front? We want to pray with you. We want to celebrate his lordship, transformation. All of this starts from that place of being washed and set free by his blood. Lord, we thank you this morning. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.